Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for coming to start today. We have a really special event just about to start here. So you're welcome to stay in your seats. Um, so we've, we're really lucky today to have an Adelaide Biennial artist with us today, Erin Coates. But I'd just like to start by acknowledging that we stand on the traditional lands of the Ghana people and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. So, um, my name's Bernadette and I'm a NEO ambassador. Um, so I work for the gallery looking after our teen program called NEO. So we're really lucky today to have one of our teen representatives, Georgia, and she'll be leading a Q&A between herself and Erin Coates, one of our biennial artists, who's actually responsible for curating and designing this space that you're in today. So the activity that you're doing, Erin's contributed to, and all of her artworks you can see in these tables. Um, so this is a space that changes three to four times a year, and Erin has um, really, really amazingly transformed the space. So she's got work downstairs in the gallery if you want to check it out. So I think I'll just kick it off and hand over to Georgia, um, who will be begin the Q&A with Erin. So thanks for listening, guys. This is our um, regular team slot that takes place every start at 12.30. So if you keep an eye on the program, you can always see an activity or experience led by our team ambassadors. Thanks so much, guys. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name's Georgia, and I'll start off with this question. A common focus of your works is the ocean, which is such an essential part of our planet and which can also be so eerie. Through your works, what do you wish to portray about the ocean? Uh, I guess, first of all, I, I want to portray how amazing the ocean is, the amount of ecosystems and life forms that live in it. Um, and part of what I'm interested in is the way that we're connected to the ocean. So a long, long time ago in our evolutionary history, humans at some point when we weren't humans came out of the ocean. Um, and also there's this other really interesting relationship that before we're born, when we're little tiny, tiny kind of fetuses in the womb, we're floating in a sack of liquid. So we have this connection to kind of bodies of water already. Um, I spend a lot of time in the ocean, I do a lot of free diving, and I'm really interested in all of the animals and plants that live there and how they're all interconnected. They have these amazing symbiotic relationships where they need each other. Um, and I guess I'm also interested in how humans impact that environment, which is not always a good thing, the way that we're um, changing the oceans to a degree, but I think also we can have these really positive experiences in the ocean when we observe them and we look at how different life forms connect with each other. Um, and when I'm freediving, I spend a lot of time looking at um, different little filter feeders. So they pull the water in and they suck it out, and a lot of them have little tiny hairs and little mouths and uh, I'm quite interested in the biology of them and thinking about our own biology and our own evolutionary origins in the ocean and these connections between all living things. Yeah. Have you ever studied biology? No, I've never studied biology. I guess I'm an amateur biologist. So my dad was a professional scuba diver and he would spend a lot of time in the ocean getting shells and selling them. Um, and sometimes he would find a new species of shell that no one had ever found before and he would take it to the museum 
and it would then be identified by biologists and they would give it a name. And I think he was a bit upset that they never named any of the shells after him. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Having grown up in a family strongly connected to the ocean, what is your first memory of the ocean? I, you know, I don't know what my first memory is because I feel like I've always, I've always had a connection to the ocean. I think when I was a baby, my parents took me into the ocean and we would swim. But I remember when I was about eight years old, we went to Ningaloo Reef and we were in my dad's little tiny aluminium boat and we were just cruising around inside the coral reef and we got out and snorkeled and then we saw this huge fin in the water coming towards us and I got quite scared because I thought it was a shark, a gigantic shark and it was actually a whale shark and they're completely harmless and it was just curious and it came up and wanted to have a look at us and that was one of the most powerful memories I have as a child is encountering an animal that was about 10 times bigger than me. In your work, Internal Interior, you and Anna Naziri have worked with mediums which include silicon, ceramic, human and animal hair, wood, wallpaper and sperm whale tooth. How did you source the sperm whale tooth and ensure that the source was ethical? That's a very good question, Georgia. So I come from a town in Western Australia called Albany. And Albany was actually the last place in Australia to ban killing whales. So we had a commercial whaling station there up until the late 70s. And so when commercial whaling ended, there were still a lot of people in Albany that had whale teeth in their homes. Yeah. And so it's it's illegal now to take to kill whales or if a, if a whale is dead on a beach, it's illegal to take the teeth yeah. and it's illegal to import or export them. So oh. any whale teeth that we sourced are antique whale teeth that are from commercial whaling. Oh. And so we buy them from um, auctions or deceased yeah. estates and you can date the whale tooth so that you yeah. know that it's an antique whale tooth and that it's ethically sourced. Yeah. yeah. How do you date them? Um, they change colour over time. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So you can look at them and you can actually see if it's a new whale tooth or it's an old oh, one. Oh, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. All right. You once said in an interview, my fear of not is what, sorry, is not of what is in the ocean, but the effects humans are having on it. In your daily practices, how do you ensure that you, ha- you are not having a negative effect on the ocean? That's another very good question, Thank Georgia. You. <laughs> I mean, I think and it's an important question for all of us. Is, yeah. You know, the, the way we're living right now, we need to change what we're doing mm, because it's not definitely. working. And it's, a, it's lots, of, lots of little things that we need to do. So mm. I, I have um, eradicated a lot of plastic from my yeah, life. We yeah. don't buy products, mostly, that have plastic packaging. Yeah. Um, we go to a shop where we take our own containers and jars oh, and okay, cool. put all of our food in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I often tell... Um, you know, I'll give feedback to shops if they're using yeah. too much plastic packaging. Oh, I'll say, really look, cool. I like this product, but I'm not going to buy it because yeah. there's too much plastic packaging. Mm. Um, I'm also a member of a environmental group where we plant yeah. um, native plants on yeah, the river yeah. near where yeah. I live. Um, and we help to remove in- invasive species of oh, weeds. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And when I go diving, I always take a little catch bag with me yeah. and a little tiny blade. And if oh. I find fishing line, yeah. I cut it and I put it in the yeah, bag yeah. or rubbish of any kind, yeah. I collect it. Yeah. When I walk along the beach, I do the same thing. I pick mm. up rubbish. Mm. Um, and so I think it's just these little things that we all need to do and it's leading by example and other people yeah. see what you're doing and they realise that they need to make those changes too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what's the organisation that you work with? It's called the Bassendine Preservation Group oh, and it's a so community cool. organisation and yep. um, every, I mean almost every, um, every t city and town in Australia there are small community groups mm. where people can get involved and it, I feel sometimes we feel a bit um, a sense of despair about yeah, environmentally definitely. what's happening but we can't give in to that. There are lots yeah, of positive yeah. things we can do. And when I walk around in my community, I get to see the trees that this group has planted. Yeah. And it's bringing back native birds and insects. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's seeing those, those positive changes yeah. that we can actually all be a part of. Are there any um, businesses and shops that you would recommend because they use less plastic? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I can't think of any off the top no, of my head, okay. but yeah, I mean, it's, it's something I'm very aware of whenever I go yeah. shopping and, you know, also trying to just not buy things that, mm. that have plastics in them. So yeah, if I'm yeah. buying clothes, I'm trying to buy natural fibres yeah. and avoid microplastics. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we all need to become informed, yeah. you know, mm. about this. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Um, you're a visual artist and creative producer who works across film sculptural installation and drawing, which of these three practices have you come to love the most? <laughs> That's a quite a difficult question, yeah. actually. Um, so like probably a lot of the kids in here as well, mm. we all like working with different things depending on yeah. how we feel. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. Um, in some senses, I really love drawing and sculpture because yeah. it's quite personal and I go into the mm. studio and it's very internal. I get yeah. to draw on my imagination and the things yeah. I know and I kind of work alone. Um, but then I really like how collaborative it is when I work on films. Yeah. I get to work with a whole community of people who yeah. help me make it. So I actually like moving between those two things, mm. between kind of collaboration and film and then being alone in my studio. Yeah. And for me that works, that's having yeah, like yeah. A, that diversity of, of practice. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're working on films, what's your primary role? <laughs> I have a lot of roles. Yeah. yeah. So when I'm working on films, I am I mean I'm the director, yep. so I'm creating the whole vision of the film. Yep. But I'm really interested in what's known as practical effects. Oh. And that's so all of the visual effects that you see in films, a lot yep. of times these days they're digitally produced. Yeah. But what um what's known as practical effects is when they're real, when people actually make oh. the little creatures, when yep. they make the special effects. So in the films that I make, um, the other artists, Anna Nazari and I, we make all of the props, we make all of the yeah. practical effects. So I guess I'm also interested in being a production designer, yeah. director, producer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I make the cups of tea and coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all yeah. of it. Yeah. How long have you worked with Anna Naziri for? Anna and I started working together in about 2013 and we've made three films together that have involved yeah. filming underwater. Oh, that's yes. so cool. Yeah. What's the process like of filming underwater? It is as difficult as it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, um, it's very challenging because you can't control everything underwater mm. in the same way. Um, but I'm very lucky. I have a lot of um, friends that I've made that are scuba yeah. divers 
or yeah. their freedivers and their marine enthusiasts mm. and their volunteers and they come yeah. on board for our films and they, yeah. they help with all of the props, mm. they help to make sure that the actors are safe under the water yeah. um, and so it's that community that I have yeah, around yeah. me when I make films that is just, yeah. uh, it's a privilege and it's a joy. Yeah, yeah. Where do you actually film for the underwater settings? Well, the first film that we made, we filmed at 20 metres underwater on a shipwreck. And the ship had been used to hunt whales back in the 60s. And it sank 20 metres under the water in Albany, where I grew up. And so part of that film was on that shipwreck. Oh, wow. And then in our second film, it was in Fremantle, under the water, in the ocean. And then the new film that we've made... We actually produced part of it in a diver training pool. So we, we made a film yeah. set and then we submerged it underwater yeah. in a pool. Yeah, what was the process like of submerging the setting? It was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was, we, um, we hadn't really factored in how buoyant the film set was. Yeah. So as we were trying to submerge it underwater with all of these weights, it took a lot more weight than we realised yeah. and at a certain point it started to just rise up like a oh, giant iceberg yeah. and there were like concrete slabs sliding oh. off it and um, but we, we got it down in yeah. the end but oh, uh, cool. yeah it was very challenging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad no one got hurt. Yeah. Oh. Um, okay. A number of your works are showcased in the gallery's 2020 Adelaide Biennial of Australian Art, Monster Theatres. The word monster comes from the Latin monstrare, meaning to show or make visible, and theatre, which hints to a double narrative. How would you say this correlates to your work, Internal Interior, which the studio is based upon? Mm, I mean, that's, again, that's a, that's a difficult and slightly tricky question, yeah. but I like it. Um, I guess in this work in particular, it's, it's revealing something that's a little, bit, a little bit frightening, but also quite sort of... There's something alluring about seeing these these fleshy sea creatures. So for me, I'm really interested in this kind of dual relationship between beauty and sort of terror and fear. And, you know, we like to be a little bit scared in a way, although we sort of... um, We think of monsters or something that's monstrous as being something that we don't... That is negative. I think at the same time there's an appeal that we want to look, we want to see things Mm. that are frightening... And a lot of the time that relates to ourselves in some way. It's our yeah. own, you know, it's our mm. own urges and desires that are driving yeah. also what we're scared of. So yeah. in this sort of fleshy wall that we've made, it's based on oceanic creatures, but they've yeah. gone through a strange metamorphosis. A lot of them have taken on strangely human qualities. There's yeah, yeah. little teeth and hairs embedded in them. Yeah. So in a way, we, um, we can relate to it. We feel the kind of physiology of it is connected mm. to our own bodies. But yeah. at, the ta- at, the, at the same time, it's a very strange space that it creates. It's sort of alien to us. It's this deep sea creatures. So it's bringing the familiar and the unfamiliar together. And yeah. it's kind of repulsion and beauty together as well. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of hidden things in amongst the artwork. Could you tell us about one of your favourite hidden features? <laughs> oh, that's so tricky. There's a tiny bit of sperm whale tooth that's embedded. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I quite like that little element. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of these, I feel the real love for these creatures because a lot of them are based on things that I see when I'm under the water. Yeah. Um, and I particularly love things that are called ascidians. And an ascidian is a bivalve filter feeder and it yeah. sucks in water and pushes it out. Yeah. And that's how it feeds. So, And it has these little tiny kind of 
sphincter mouths that open and yeah. close and pull and push the water out. Uh, and there's quite a few little ascidians hiding in the wall. Yeah. There's also farvid corals, so they're corals that have these, um, you can see these kind of pentagonal five-sided polyps on them. Um, yeah. And that's sort of a, a recurring form that you see yeah. in the ocean. And then there's finger sponges as well that have these yeah. really lovely, soft, moving tendrils. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could just keep going. I have, yeah, yeah. I have such a love of yeah. these creatures in the ocean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. And that's all of my questions today. Thank you so much.